<laughs> are we allowed to do that nope but it doesn't matter i don't okay. care uh i'm pretty sure they're gonna be like uh yeah we're gonna tell disney that you did that um anyways so the interview was a friend of mine from work henry it was good it was good not less of an interview, was a good interview. Was good. yeah i like i agree um yay so welcome to the bitcoin podcast everybody you know uh, watching or listening for the first time, my name is Dimitri, uh, or you can call me the Fergalati. I'm the host that talks first. And I'm the host that talks third, Jesse Broke. That's right. The host that talks second, and this great uh, quote-unquote first world we live in is having power issues, and he can't record today. So his his computer is like shot. So it's just me and Jesse on this round. Dr. Petty couldn't make it um i can't wait, what wait. about what about the staking stuff really <laughs> i hope he's not over there getting fucking slizzashed no wonder he was stressed out he was like my power's out bro and i was like bro light a candle like what's the big <laughs> like <laughs> anyways for you guys not listening if you're if you're actually staking and supporting some of these networks and you don't do it well they will take your money they <laughs> will they will take your money if your if your node is down for too long, so I hope Corey is really getting it together and he's not like in shambles tomorrow. Maybe we should check up on him. Uh, anyways, uh, so Jesse, how you been, man? How's your week going? It's going, dude. How about you, man? I can't complain. I honestly can't. I tried. I woke up this morning and I tried to complain about my week, and I was like, honestly, I have nothing to complain about. So, you know, it's hey, did you get good. your Cheetos yet? Uh, I did, mm -hmm. and they were eaten again. Oh. So I have to get these Cheetos and hide them from mm -hmm. my girlfriend's children because they okay. dominate my Cheetos, bro. I even got the extra spicy ones because oh, I was that's like, what I oh, got. I eat them like these. Mm -hmm. Oh, conspiracy theory coming in yeah. hot. Okay. No pun intended. Go for it. Extra spicy Flaming Hot Cheetos taste how Flaming Hot Cheetos used to taste in the 90s. They left them in the 90s? Yeah, bro. I've been eating these things since I was a kid, fucking in my stomach for years. I don't remember. Right? So. Okay. Uh, I think they lessen the flavor dust as okay. people like them more to, mm -hmm. to, 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 to make a bigger profit. Cause why not? That's what businesses okay. do. Right. And then now that everybody loves them, they're dumping that flavor dust back on those Cheetos, calling it extra spicy, right. Making the same profit they were making back in the night. I'm telling you, bro, I'm telling you, I mean, I can't, why, you can't why, my why taste, would they need to do that? They, they, they have flaming hot Doritos, flaming hot was it funyuns like 
Dude, never ask why when more profit can be made. But let's talk about crypto, right? Like there's some things we we need to discuss. Taproot, what is it and why are we talking about it? That's all you. All right. So educate me. Do you know what a taproot is? No. Isn't it like I get these two swaps, right? I'm talking not 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 a Bitcoin, but like a tap root. Like there's there's the main root of a tree, mm-hmm. and then there's these offshoot roots, right? That tap into things. I think okay. I'm backwards on that. Is is the main root called the tap root, and the offshoot roots are called the? I don't know. Let's just Google it. It's not like the internet doesn't exist. What is a tap root? So it's large, yeah. central, and dominant root. So not the peripheral ones. There we go. But the the ones that go, I guess, straight down. Yeah. So it's the big root, right? That yeah. taps into the oof that the other roots tap into, right? And so as right now, I'm looking at a website called Taproot Watch. It does look like that Bitcoin has almost hit the 90% threshold um, to actually implement Taproot. Yeah, I saw that. Um, you posted that link in the Slack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So about Taproot, I'm just going to read a little bit about Taproot so we know. Taproot mm-hmm. is a soft fork to the Bitcoin network that will improve the scripting capabilities and privacy and enable something called MAST, which can help make which helps making smart contracts more efficient and provide and private by only revealing the relevant parts of the contract when spending. It can also improve privacy of the Lightning Network by making channels look like regular Bitcoin transactions if the Lightning implementations choose to adopt Taproot, right? So in essence, what Taproot does is it allows smart contracting uh, contract language to be easier to perform on on Bitcoin, uh, which is a big deal because right now smart contracting king is Ethereum, right? And if Bitcoin gets smart contracts, what does that look like, right? Slower and worse. More expensive. Bitcoin costs a lot. It doesn't cost more than Ethereum does right now. Do it will, depending will on it? like how complex those transactions you can do in Taproot are. Yeah, hell yeah. So then we just have layered off-chain transactions. That's all. Uh, it says Lightning. Yeah, so maybe that's what it, it'll look like. Maybe maybe yeah. a bunch of stuff happens in one layer, and then just one transaction goes on Bitcoin via Taproot, and then boom, boom, boom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know how the design is gonna work. But what I do know is um, it adds smart contract functionality to Bitcoin. And I think that there's going to be one or two big companies or I don't know that take advantage of this ability. The reason why that's big also for those of you listening is the upgrade to Bitcoin's network will allow for very anonymous transactions. And there's no mystery that um cash is king well digital cash will be digital king and right now what people are finding out is that you're only pseudonymous on these blockchain networks uh depending upon how you behave on them but when you become anonymous when taproot goes live then all of a sudden you've got another use case for bitcoin that's pretty dope right now why why what does it mean that what is the mechanism by which you become anonymous? Is um, it just because you're using lightning channels? I don't think it's just because you're using lightning channels. I think it's because the transaction is only revealing certain bits of the transaction, right? Mm, okay. So there's no way to take a certain little single part of that transaction and say, boom, that guy did it. 
he's the one that did it. That not guy, you know, could be a girl, could be a lady, could be a them. Right, they did it, you know, they're responsible for it. Right. So I'm gonna read this real quick. So this is uh this is a an excerpt from uh, Bitcoin Tech Talk on what is MAST, which is uh stands for Merkleized Abstract Syntax Tree. So um kind of to echo what you were saying earlier, Merkleized abstract syntax trees are a proposed addition to Bitcoin that allows for smaller transaction sizes, more privacy, and larger smart contracts. Um, in this post, we'll explore the basics of MAST, describe its potential benefits, and summarize some of the current proposals to add it to the Bitcoin protocol. Now, uh, this is an article that was written in 2017. So that's quite, quite, a, quite a bit ago. Um, it says, the problem... Uh, unused script data. So Satoshi Nakamoto gave Bitcoin an interesting feature that wasn't described in the original white paper. Instead of it requiring uh, Bitcoins be received to a public key and spent by a digital signature, Nakamoto gave users the ability to write programs called scripts that would act as dynamic public keys and signatures. When you specify a script, which is the default in every wallet, the consensus-enforced Bitcoin protocol won't let anyone spend your Bitcoins unless the script returns true. This allows you to specify restrictions called encumbrances, such as requiring the spending transaction be signed by your private key. More complex encumbrances are possible too, such as the following example we'll use throughout the article. So Alice wants to spend her Bitcoins at any time, but if her Bitcoins aren't spent within three months, maybe because she's dead or incapacitated, she wants her siblings Bob and Charlie to have her Bitcoins as long as they can agree on where to spend them. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say the encumbrance script below, which specifies the policy described above, includes not just Alice's public key needed to verify a signature from her private key, but also some conditional logic, a timeout, and the public keys for both Bob and Charlie. Mm-hmm. And so I so unused encumbrance data increases the size of transactions, reduces privacy by publicly disclosing more information than uh, necessary. Ah. Mm-hmm and uh, primarily limit smart contracts by their size rather than by their validation cost. Mass seeks to improve this situation by removing the need to directly include unused parts of a script in the blockchain. So I didn't, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a developer, but I didn't know that you could do, this is not going to be the same thing as, as Ethereum smart contracts. No, it's not. This is going to be like a janky version. This is going to be like assembly is to C++. Yes, it will be. Yeah, like jump statements, like just this is like janky. Yes, it's very difficult to build the things uh, on Bitcoin that Ethereum is building on Ethereum. This is their best emulation. This is going to be like, it's going to be good, but like it's not going to be Ethereum. You know what I mean? And it's going to be slower, right? Because it's running on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So if you had to put a price on this, how much does this make bitcoin worth in comparison to its current value is this what gets bitcoin to 100k plus i'm curious mm, no 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 i don't think so not at all are you talking about usd uic or canadian sure. i mean or, I'm, I'm talking about what like, are you talking does this add a, bro, certain, a ru- certain amount of rubles? extra utility that bitcoin doesn't have that there is value being pulled from it essentially um, to ethereum because it doesn't have it um 
prognosticate? Uh, I'd say maybe two, three percent. That's it. Hmm. I mean, we really don't know, right? And it's a commitment, right? We're talking about a literal time commitment, time money commitment. When you lock stuff into a bridge in order for it to do some smart contract stuff on a second layer, right? That's what we're talking about. So uh, if I had to price this in and try to put a USD price on this, I'd say maybe a 3% boosty boost. That's about it. Compounded on regular Bitcoin growth, right? So if Bitcoin were to grow 20% in the next two years, I'd say grow 23%. Mm-hmm. Right? Just to add a little, not compound, but just add a little, just add a little 3% on top of it. That's all. Um, and obviously I'm pulling those numbers straight out of my hiney. Which Interesting. is reading about the um... German for ass, I believe. <laughs> so, um, das es un ass in Deutsch. Ars. Anyways, let's let's keep it moving. So, uh, Elon Musk, you know, if this market had regulations, he'd be popped for market like manipulation in a heartbeat. But it doesn't. So now Elon, this week, last week, he was like, "Oh, Bitcoin is terrible." Bitcoin is awful. I don't like it anymore. Doge. And now he's like, uh, you know, Bitcoin's pretty good, actually. I go back to what I said before. I said it was terrible. And surprise, surprise, the market's going up. But the thing about it is like he uh, now he said he got together with Michael Saylor and he's saying, Jesse, he's saying that he and the other North American Bitcoin miners are going to power through and create a green Bitcoin that does not consume absorbent amounts of energy and everyone can fall in love that they're turning sun juice into money. And yay, Elon Musk. I don't know why these celebrities hop in to crypto thinking they can swing their bits around, but I mean, he's doing a good job of it. He's actually moving the market. But um, what do you think about that? Do you think that means anything at this point in the game? Uh, a, a mining syndicate of North American miners doing be interesting. the right way well, with renewable energy. Oh, what if? Because, like, I, I know, doesn't Tesla have like, uh, you know, how Apple has like their power pack for homes? Uh, I do. Tesla has something, right? Like, they, they bought do, a yes. company that does that. I wonder if um, they'll Would let you it? use, like, you know, say, say you have solar panels on your house. I wonder if they'll let you use, you know, some of that residual energy. It's not going to do anything, but like, Mm-mm. be like, hey, for the novelty, like, we'll we'll let you mine Bitcoin with your excess electricity. I don't know. I have no idea. I just don't think it's not. I, yeah. So, Bro, if Tesla gets into mining, do you know how? Do you know how happy I'm going to be at how right I am about things so far in advance of when they actually happen? What do you mean? I don't know if you remember this, but Corey damn sure does. As mm-hmm. at least like four years ago now, I was like, we're going to see companies we never thought of are going to get into mining because it's going to be profitable and understandable for them to do so. Oh, okay. I didn't know you said that. Oh, I've said it a lot, sir. And that man up there, Negro Domus himself, knows I've said it a lot because I say it all the time. And I said it a long time. I said, one day, if mining even becomes efficient enough, if you look on the back of a Walmart, there's going to be some shipping containers connected to it with a bunch of miners in there 
generating money for for Walmart. You're going to see companies we never imagined get into mining. Maybe they're not mining Bitcoin, but they're mining something that's proof of work. But there you value. Uh, hmm. That's that's uh, if you're talking about like. I'm, I'm talking about it. I mean, but but okay, it depends on depending on which I'm, one you're saying, I'm whether you're saying it. embedded ASICs that are like going to be farming proof of work coins, that's mm -hmm. less, less, uh, uh, or, or that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, but like the, the internet of things devices where they're just staking, you know, whatever transaction information that they're processing, like a vending machine, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the microcontroller in a vending machine processing transactions of how many Cokes are bought that day from that vending machine. And then they're uploading that data and that data um, is is basically converted to you know some chains tokens effectively, and that vending machine gets paid. That's more like that's that's been happening, right? Yes. I mean, that's not been happening. Sorry, that's not been happening. But that's more easy to see, I guess, versus proof of work stuff. Are you sure? Yeah. There's a okay. We we shall see. There's no, there's a, there's a little device that you can buy on Amazon that does, mm -hmm. um, air, air, is it air quality detection and uploads that information. You get paid in a token for you uploading the, like sticking that little device and uploading air data outside your home. Oh man. I saw that company in 2017 at DevCon. I'm glad they actually did it. You know, they're trying to, that same company is trying to incentivize farmers to farm in a way that doesn't damage the topsoil, right? So I they've, got, this, they've got a little device that goes into the soil, yeah. right? And there's a special way you can farm where you don't damage the topsoil, uh -huh. therefore, like, making it not farmable land, you know? And it emits... Uh, I just really have to Google it. It was a really cool idea in 2017. I don't know if they're getting any traction because it's so next level, but it's basically trying to incentivize farmers to farm in a way that doesn't damage the... Uh, topsoil which in the long term uh does you know you know combats the old global warming what's going on and we need a little bit of that because that didn't like the biggest ice block ever break off the antarctica not too long ago i think that was last week we still have ice there <laughs> oh i think so according to this documentary i watched 2012 mm -hmm. um and i do believe the it's a documentary about the past. Um, if the oceans melt, then like water rushes, then we all drowned. Mm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the facts, right? I saw a movie. It was called Day After Tomorrow. No, that was another documentary, <laughs> actually. And I always wondered, I was like, why is Jake Gyllenhaal in this documentary? Uh, you know, but sorry, I can't keep a face, straight face with that bullshit anymore. And we're live. Yes, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody watching and listening to another episode of the Bitcoin podcast. So this is another interview on the Bitcoin podcast. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, we stopped doing the show probably 18 to 18 months, two years ago. But there used to be a show on our network called uh, On Ramping with D. Right. And I had this interesting concept for a show where I was thinking to myself, you know, what would it be like if I were like sitting on my front porch 
and I see a car go by in the years like 1905, 1910, and I see a car go by my front porch. And I'm like, you know, holy shit, that's that automobile thingy mobile that uh, people have been talking about for like months. It's the first time I'm seeing one. Uh, that's a piece of crap. But at least I saw one. And I wanted to put myself kind of like in the mind of that person and find um, that person, that persona, and interview that person to see what they have heard about crypto, what they do know about crypto, um, and answer any questions that they might, because I happen to be that enthusiast that was way into the automobile before it started cruising in front of people's porches. And I, I kind of wanted to see if I could help, you know, provide any clarity or, or just uh, give an honest assessment for someone who's not as deep into this stuff as maybe Jesse or myself. And so this is kind of an on-ramping. So I wanted to welcome Kevin and Henry uh, to the show. So welcome Thank to the show. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. So um, how about some small introductions? Just like name, where you're from, what do you do? Uh, Kevin, you want to go? Yeah, I'm Kevin. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I run a marketing agency. And uh, my name is Henry Barroa. I also live in Louisville, Kentucky, originally from New York City. And uh, I own a few companies. Uh, one is uh, Natural Stone and uh, Engineered Quartz Manufacturing Facility. Lovely, lovely. So I guess my first question to you guys is, how did you first, I know yours is here, I know yours is Henry, but how did you guys first hear about cryptocurrency? Uh, for me, it was a few years back, uh, probably when the Winklevoss twins were really getting into it, but I didn't pay a lot of mind to it back then because I didn't have their kind of money. So it felt like an abstract concept to me then. Mm. Uh, earlier this year, we launched an augmented reality startup. And that kind of ties into the metaverse. And as those two worlds started intertwining, I realized, oh, wow, there's a lot of intersection between AR and blockchain is way more than just Bitcoin. Like there are actual functional blockchains out there that serve a purpose. And to me, that was like kind of accelerant for my mind. Once I realized the functionality and the use cases around some of them that I use as a launch pad. Nice. Nice. How about you, Henry? Well, for me, um, well, when I met D and uh, we started working together, um, D and, uh, and Jeff, my business partner, they, uh, they were always talking about cryptocurrency. And I, I was just too busy to listen. I heard what they were talking about, but I just, I felt like I didn't have the time to learn anything else at the moment. Like my mind was already full. So they were constantly telling me, I think this was in uh, probably November. Uh, no, it was like September of 2019. And um, they were always talking about it, talking about cryptocurrency, talking about Bitcoin. I just didn't, I, I, I just didn't have a space for it. And, you know, Jeff was constantly telling me, look, you need to put some money in this. You need to put some money in this. And uh, one day he showed me his portfolio and I was like, holy shit, like <laughs> I need to put some money in this. So I jumped in and 
you know, that that's it. That's how it was. It's it's very funny because that's how like 90% of the stories are. People are like, oh yeah, I don't have time for this. And then like eight, 10, 12 months later, they're like, I might make just a little bit of time. Right. Just, just just like True 10 story. minutes. True story. And that's exactly what happened. So. I mean, my story is no different. Um, and so one thing that I do see is interesting is, Kevin, you've actually seen, so outside of Bitcoin, you said there were some other blockchains that had functionality that you were interested in. Uh, what are those? And hopefully Jesse is not going to shoot them down in the dust because <laughs> Jesse will do that. <laughs> That's fine, uh, because just understand, I'm kind of a novice and a noob around the space. So one that I always hear, uh, Cardano, the ADA, is the call for it. Um, that one I hear really good things about functionality wise and V chain is another one that I've heard decent things about too, in terms of like blockchain as a service and the way that they're utilizing it for tracking shipping and things of that nature. Um, those would be the two primary ones that have stuck out to me over the past few months as I've looked into things. Jesse, are those terrible? ones that's interesting i i i guess i don't know too much to be quite honest i don't know too much about v chain and cardano i just know that uh cardano is supposed to have smart contracts but i don't think they have smart contract functionality and so that's something that um ethereum that's the reason why it's number two right now and that's the reason why um you know binance smart chain is essentially like i think number six or number five is because they basically cloned Ethereum and are running it on their ser centralized servers for the most part. And so you have like, uh, you know, back in 2017, you had like um, Chinese copycats of Ethereum, like Neo, And um, you had like this whole, uh, let's see if we can copy Ethereum and kind of steal value uh, by doing the same thing. And, and right now you kind of have Ethereum having trouble with gas fees in terms of uh, mm -hmm. being able to run those complex smart contract functions. And you have these um, kind of next-gen chains, like, uh, for instance, Avalanche is an example. There's Algorand, there's uh, Polkadot, there's um, basically a lot of different iterations of something that could be an alternative to Ethereum now. Now, VeChain and Cardano, I think Cardano is supposed to be an alternative, but in terms of I, uh, where they are, um, for smart contracts, I don't think that they have them yet. And that's something that mm -hmm. you may want to look into. And then VeChain, I I had heard that it's it's for tracking assets, but I mean technically you can do that as soon as you have smart contracts. And I would look into um mm -hmm. any chain with like currently with smart contracts. Um that also has the kind of throughput that you're looking for in terms of whatever industry you think uh, they're trying to uh, bring their services to. So for example, if you're talking about um, derivative services, you probably want to have something where uh, transactional throughput is fairly high. Um, if you're talking about, um, you know, Bitcoin, right, the transactional throughput is fairly slow um, for something like that. But yeah, I, I think if you look around, I think if you read the white papers, that's something that a lot of people did yeah. um, years and years ago. And um, even D and I, we had uh, a show on the network where we actually broke uh, broke down the Bitcoin white paper and then the Ethereum white paper and kind of 
Um, we also got into a little bit of Solidity programming for Ethereum. Mm. So it kind of it kind of gave us a little bit more insight into you better how put some strong right. quotations on that, Jesse. Got yeah. into it was me yelling in the microphone that that shit was so hard to understand. He was like, this this doesn't make sense. Why don't they use this word instead of this word? But yeah. yeah. I was like, I got really upset because I was like, I don't understand why programmers don't read left to right like the rest of the world, except for like a little bit. Why does everything start <laughs> go right to left? So anyways, um, I want to reel things back because Jesse, you went straight into Cadillac language. We hadn't even hit Model T yet, right? So like uh, smart contract, like what is that? So Bitcoin has a very simple design. It's designed to prove that I sent money to someone. That's it, right? The smart contract changes the game and why people are so hype about Ethereum is because it adds a little twist to it. It says I sent money or, you know, something, an asset to someone if a certain set of conditions are made, right? And that now changes the game. Right. It's easy to have a bank say like, oh, you know, Henry sent money to Kevin. Uh, you know, here it is on the ledger. We see it. Cool. Let's verify it. Right. But then adding that other condition, you usually have to have other third parties and other entities involved like escrow services or, um, you know, uh, what's the name of the guys that witness you sign something? Notaries. Like you have to have other services to, to set these conditions in order to you know, validate these conditions. Well, with the Ethereum blockchain, when you have a smart contract, they call it, it's just a programmed way to transfer this value or transfer these assets or whatever it is that's programmed into them, right? And so when Jesse was like, it doesn't have smart contract functionality, well, Cardano says it will, but it doesn't. And that's the game they keep playing with everyone. And it seems to be working great because their price is just doing great things, but I can't really understand why. Um, which, you know, in the hype of a bull market, which you all are in, you're going to ask yourself a lot of questions like, why is Doge popular? Like, the, what the hell? It's, that's just a bull market. But what I, oh wait, I got a question for you guys. I know, Henry, that you have, you know, you're invested. Kevin, are you invested in, well, in crypto? Any crypto? Not yeah. at all. I So I used a little bit of money last year and lost it because I didn't hold anything. I spent my money kind of gaining knowledge around it so whatever i used if i had ten dollars in something even at a small amount well now i got a reason to read that white paper that jesse had mentioned and things like that so i use it as a way to force my hand into learning stuff more than a vehicle to try to make any money that's good actually i mean if you use it you kind of learn and see how it works um and I guess what I was getting at with that question is how does it have felt to to have your first significant drop in portfolio value? Here we <laughs> I, I, I see you rubbing your forehead. Um, it's crazy because <clears throat> I was in Atlanta uh, for the last two weeks and uh, Kevin calls me. We, we start talking and. You know, we're catching up. Kevin and I were, were really good friends. We, we met back in like 2011, 2012, we were in the same math class. We were going to college together, whatever. And it's funny, our first conversation was a huge argument right in the middle of class. True story. But um, we, uh, that's, that's a whole nother situation. But anyway, um, we were talking and Kev goes, yo man, so what are you into nowadays? And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm into crypto. Like I'm, I'm 
putting all my money in crypto. Like I <laughs> financing and, and finances. And at that time, like Ethereum was up, like it was like at 4,100 or something like that, 4,200 and Bitcoin was hitting 60 G's. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm rich, right? <laughs> it was fantastic. So that's when I told them, I was like, yo, man, I'm going on this, you know, I'm, I was invited on a podcast and, you know, everything is fantastic. Life is great. I might not even go back home type shit. And uh, like the next day, this shit dropped. Oh, and shit. I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? So I'm calling Jeff. I'm like, yo, Jeff, you see this? And he's like, man, I've been looking at it all night. <laughs> and it was it was tough. I mean, there were drops before. Right. There were drops before, but nothing significant like this. And it wasn't even that we lost money. We didn't, I mean, we didn't lose our initial investment, um, but all the gains just kind of just dissipated. They just went away and it was nuts. Um, my cousin, um, Joe, uh, she gave me a little bit of, of funds and she was like, look, I want you to put this away for me. So I was like, all right, cool. So it was so crazy. This is a true story. It was crazy. While I was in Atlanta, I called her and she more than like doubled her funds, like more than double. So I go, yo, cuz, um, yo, this thing is high. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, when do we get out? She was like, now we get out now. <laughs> and I'm like, now nah, we're not getting out. And she was like, yeah, we get out now, like pull it. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pull it. And by the next morning, it was gone. And I was like, how the hell am I gonna tell my cousin that all her, all her gains are now gone? So it was nuts, man. It was nuts. It was, uh, to answer your question, it was a roller coaster of emotions. The, the market is, is going up now, right? It's, it's coming back. So, so it kind of eases, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the anxiety. But at the end of the day, uh, what kind of kept me sane at the moment uh, was, you know, one, the conversations that Jeff and I were having back and forth and just understanding what's going on, right? So the, the, the issues remain, right? The issues remain, the, the fundamentals remain the same and the solution is still cryptocurrency, right? So as I understand it, with my limited uh, knowledge, right, the issue is the Fed, the Treasury, the government, uh, just this massive amount of printing money and just the way that the world, so, so with all this money being printed, just the value of funds going down or the value of the dollar going down and then at the same time, us moving into a digital age, right? Um, so all those things remain true. Right, none of that has changed. Um, so you know, we see the the market continue to to go up, and then other things that you hear, just watching videos and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it kind of kept me sane, and and thankfully, you know, I mean, we're back up. So it was it was definitely a crazy ride. It's it's going to be a crazy ride. I'm sure that this isn't going to be the 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 last drop. So you know, you just kind of kind of learn. But to answer your question, man, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, um, I've 
personally, Jesse, I don't know how many times you've lived through that, those kinds of drops, but me personally, it's approaching double digits now. And like, since I'm the linchpin of all this, Jesse, like Mm -hmm. everyone's crypto involvement here in Louisville is almost, it's me, right? So everybody's like, I'm just trying to like, look, I knew in my head, I'm like, there's not a single thing I could say to help them get through these emotions, right? And there is one thing I could do. If I say something, they could get pissed, right? So I was like, I just got to let them get through that emotion because in crypto, that's like a yearly thing, man. Like it happened last year in March when Bitcoin went down to $3,600. And in March, and I was like, man, that hurts. That hurts a lot, right? (laughs) And like nobody knows this is happening or what I'm going through. And you're looking at your personal wealth, just go on this roller coaster. You just keep it on the chin and you keep it moving. Because in the long term, when you zoom out on the charts, um, the trend is positive. And when, like you mentioned, some real world things that aren't changing, like last year, the U.S. alone printed more money than in the previous 14 years that they've ever printed in like one season. So it's like, well, if the the government's preparing for something, meanwhile, you know, my grocery bill is doubling, then I got to have my money in some other kind of asset that's just, even if it's not a hundred percent like inverse of the dollar, like at least there's enough evidence to show that it's going to go up over time at the, at this point in time. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, Jesse has some arguments though. I know he does against like uh, crypto isn't the only place you can put your money uh, when the government is getting excessive with their printing of money, um, which he's not wrong. Um, but I'd argue to you, argue to you, Jesse, uh, you know, why, why make that argument? That's what I want to know. No, I, I don't think I would argue that I would, I would just be cautious in terms of knowing that, um, the crypto winners are long. For instance, um, it depends on what your, what your entrance dollar cost average amount is. If you go in lump sum or if you dollar cost average, like there are people who bought 60K was their, you know, first entrance price into crypto. And looking back, like what is Bitcoin at, say 40K? So they've they've lost a third. And so it, it, you, you really have to, you have to understand where you are macroscopically mm-hmm. in the trend. Are you, are you buying into the tail end of a bull cycle and is it about to turn into a, like, you know, winter for like three years? And then you have to know that. And so that at least you're not playing with funds that you might need, right? Cause it'll bleed essentially out for like two, three years where it's just nothing but lower lows and, and lower highs. And it's just, it's, it's brutal. That's when it gets tough, right? Um, I guess for me, um, just the way I think, and and I know the way that Jeff kind of thinks and just having a business mindset, uh, number four, number one, you know, I, I guess for people, for the audience, for, you know, for everybody out there, you, you obviously can't put all of your eggs in one basket. So our portfolio is, is very diversified. Uh, we own a lot of real estate. Uh, we have four different profitable companies. Um, we we have money invested in the stock market. Um, 
you know, we have a little bit of cash on hand. And at the same time, now with the excess, you know, here we are, you know, putting money in, in crypto. So that definitely just knowing that we have all these different avenues of, of income for us, you know, puts things at ease. Um, but at the same time, you know, when, when the market goes down, I, that's a huge opportunity, right. For everyone. Um, because you're buying thing, you're buying at a discount. It's, it's just nuts. It's like, it's like, you know, when, when the market goes down, you know, people get scared, but is it no different than like when a TV goes on sale at Walmart? I mean, you rush to Walmart to buy that TV because it's on sale, right? You don't wait for the price to go up. So then you can go buy that TV, right? You wait until there's a, a sale, you know, when it's on clearance or whatever the case is, so you can get a better deal. It's the same thing with anything else, right? Like crypto or, you know, real estate. It's like in real estate, it just mind boggles me when people, um, when the market is going up, and, and it's a seller's market, why is everybody buying, everybody buying real estate at that time? Like, shouldn't you buy real estate when it's a, when it's a you know, buyer's market, right? And it, it's just like everybody's mindset is just all over the place, right? So mm -hmm. when the market went down, we purchased more crypto, right? You purchased more Bitcoin, more Ethereum, more Avalanche, um, and it's, it's going to go back up because again, the fundamentals remain the same, right? Um, the issues still persist. The solution is still crypto. So if it goes down, I mean, that's, that's just an opportunity for everybody to get in at a, at a great price and, and, and watch their investment grow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't quite understand the herd. I just call it the herd mentality, like people FOMO, into things and out and in and out of things. It's very funny is like um, when crypto is not doing well in those bear markets, as Jesse said, and I just look like the crazy guy that has a podcast and is way too passionate about something random. No one hits me up. But when Bitcoin's at like 60,000, they're like, all right, man, should I buy right now? And I'm like, it was $3,000. <laughs> I get it. I missed it. But should I buy right now? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure. If it's your money. And they're like, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to wait until it goes down. So then I'll hit up those same people. Now it's at, it was at 37K. I was like, hey, man, it's halfway down from when you hit me up. I think it's going to go down further. I'm just going to go ahead and wait this one out. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, I really, I really don't get it. But uh, I guess we'll move on from price. Are there any questions about like, the functionality like a lot of people say and before i say this i kind of want to add like a little i don't know a qualifier is that like a lot of people say i want to trust it but i just don't see how it works and then my same question to them is like okay well how does the fed work explain it to me exactly. in four sentences explain to me the federal reserve and if you can do that then i'll stand by your argument that not understanding bitcoin is a reason for us not to trust it but i'll ask you guys both can you explain to me how the Federal Reserve works? No, nah, not at all. No. All right. I don't think I can either. Me and Jesse tried in an episode of, what was that, What the Headers? 
Like we tried to pick apart the Fed. We found out it's not even like a government thing. It's actually for private banks that just basically issue money to all the banks. And we were like, okay, this is getting deep real fast. This is a podcast. I'm not trying to get on anybody's list. Let's just not, let's just stop this research. But is there anything of like behind the scenes of how Bitcoin works? Let's start with Bitcoin um, that you're like curious about that you want to know how it works. Yeah, it's funny because when I first heard about Bitcoin, I, I mean, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in my ignorance, I, I thought it was an actual coin. Like, I'm like, where are these coins? Right? Like, <laughs> like when, I, when I thought of Bitcoin and I thought that they were actual coins and then I saw the logo, I immediately thought of like DuckTales, right? Trish McDuck. <laughs> I kind of thought that it was a situation like that. But yeah, like, how does it work? What is what is Bitcoin? What what is cryptocurrency? Right. All right, Jesse. Do you want to pull out the white paper? Do you want to dust it off? No. Um, okay. So where do we start? So in the white paper, in a white paper is like a well, there's a academic white paper, uh, which is what ac academics use uh, when you're in academia. You use it to kind of like present an idea, right? And then there's like a business white paper that is. Hey, this is my business idea, and this is how it breaks down. Do you want to invest in it? <clears throat> so the academic white paper uh, starts out that Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer digital currency system, right? I believe that's the very first sentence. Um, and really, it's designed to combat one thing called the double spend, right? It's this whole system designed to combat double spending, which right now our banks combat that, right? You, Henry, can't give $100 to Kevin and then go into your own personal ledger and just erase that like you never gave him $100 and keep that $100, right? You can't spend that $100 twice. Right now, the bank keeps that ledger, right? When you make a withdrawal, it puts it on the ledger, right? So you can't just take that $100 withdrawal and do it again. Right. Because at one point in history, people were probably doing that. They were like, huh, if it's just kept here, I'm going to just go on ahead and give him 100 bucks and just write that I never even spent that. I got infinity money. Right. So right now we trust banks to hold on to this one central ledger that says that party A gave money to party B. So there's going to be money, a withdrawal from one from party A and a deposit to party B. And that's that's pretty much it. So what Bitcoin says, okay, is instead of there being one ledger, everybody who's a participant in this Bitcoin network gets a copy of the ledger, right? And this is Kevin shaking his head. Yeah, blockchain tech. That's pretty much it, right? And so if everybody, and I mean by everybody, I'm talking about these computers, uh, have a copy of the ledger and they're communicating the truth of that ledger 24-7, <clears throat> then why do we need to have one entity be the single source of truth, a bank, when everyone's looking at the same truth all at the same time, right? If anything, it's more efficient. We pay and give all this money to banks to hold up that entity. Well, if we were to spread those fees across thousands of computers, this is where the big misnomer of Bitcoin actually <clears throat> came to reality in 2017. If we spread those fees throughout all these nodes, all these participants in the network, then uh, we don't need a central entity. We can just trust 
the blockchain, right? So that's kind of like the grand idea. Jesse, what do you think? I hit the grand idea okay in less than two minutes? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a software program where it's like everybody has the same Excel document and everybody has the same column of 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 cells and as as each block is added to the original first block the genesis block that has the transactions of the bitcoin that was minted and is being transferred from person or not from person but from uh what is it how does it work is it account to account it's not an account based key to a key uh key to a key. bitcoin is yeah ethereum's account based what was ethereum's account based Bitcoin is UTXO. not account based. It's UTXO based. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're getting into Cadillac talk. Um, How do you break down you talking about UTXOs? Uh, well, it's like this. Uh, there's transaction outputs and transaction inputs, right? Um, I believe UTXO is the unspent transaction outputs, right? So uh, basically Bitcoin calculates um, all of the money that you have, these uh, transaction inputs and outputs, right? If you have an input with no correlated output, then that's money that you have, right? When you're sending somebody, you're actually sending them outputs. They call them unspent transaction outputs, right? So it's no different than withdrawal and deposit. It's kind of like the same analogy, right? So what Jesse was talking about, the Excel column, right? Um, so to, to bring it to his analogy, where we're all looking at a shared Google spreadsheet, right? Um, the thing about that is you set permissions, right? When you hit that share button in the top right and you send out emails to who can and who can't do what, in that it's as easy as clicking a button in the Google spreadsheet, right? But Bitcoin works on this thing called proof of work. And in order for you to get permission to add a cell to that column, you've got to prove that you did the work to add to that cell in a column, right? You got to prove you did the work to add a block to that chain of blocks, right? And Never doing that. how do you break that down? I'm about to try. Okay. So do, so doing the doing the work is so let's uh, real to a computer. Have you guys heard of the? Have you ever heard of flops? A floppy disk? Well, not like a floppy disk, but that's a great guess, actually. It's like a, <laughs> a floating operation point per second. That's okay. like that's like the, the measure of a computer. Is that one way of putting it, Jesse? Like, it's still the central measure of a computer. How many operations per second it can get done? Okay. Right? Computers work on flops. He's, he's like an electrical engineer, so I'm treading softly. So computers work on flops. Right, floating operation points per second. At, at some point, we're just abstracting, like you know, enough that you guys can understand it. Yeah, we're just peeling enough, and then so 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 with Bitcoin, it works on these things called um, hashes, right? A hash per second. Hash is a cryptographic term, um, which is uh, if uh, so. What's a hash? A hash is this. Say I have a math problem, right? And let's just keep it easy with like a Caesar cipher. A equals one, B equals two, C equals three, right? Z would equal 26. And I say, okay, I'm going to give you this problem. And the problem is 
take the letter and add three, and that's the real letter, right? So I could have some crazy scramble of letters, but as long as you know if I add three, I get to the real letter, then you could decipher that code, right? Each time you attempted to decipher it, it's called a hash, right? So all these computers are hashing so many hashes per second. I do believe it's like hundreds of, it's like, what is it, 180? No, I, I want to say 120 million million hashes per second that these Bitcoin computers are trying to guess. They're simply guessing, and a guess is a hash, right? They guess one time, boom, it's gone. They guess a second time, it's another guess. They're doing that 120 it million. on what you're running, right? What do you mean? Oh, I'm talking just for Bitcoin. Are you talking about, I'm talking about all of the hash power. Oh, not okay. All okay. of I the I thought you were talking power. about one person with like a, their, their desktop PC. Okay. Yeah, not one person. So they're all computing to be the first computer or group of computers to guess a number that's small enough to add transactions to the blockchain. That's it. That's literally. I probably, probably want to talk about how basically it's uh, the the more hash rate that you contribute to this this math problem of trying to solve the next hash, which is like the the key that says. I have confirmed the next block is this block, and then you send it out to be uh, verified. To basically, everybody else tries to verify it on their own. Um, so the hash rate that your your computer generates is kind of in some way uh, correlative to the probability that you have of mining that new block. And what what that mm -hmm. means is that your your um, kind of verifying that the hash that you your computer has brute forced to fit the uh what what is it what what is the algorithm you talking about sha256 so so sha256 is the is the hashing uh algorithm but what is the yeah. the actual thing that you're trying to solve like the actual larger math the, problem the difficulty are you talking about that uh so the difficulty is 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 uh changes the probability that your pc as an individual can solve yeah. the math problem but i'm trying to i need to look at the white paper again take a gander um but in a nutshell right when you make a transaction it goes into this pool of everyone else who submitted a transaction right it goes into what's called a memory pool the miners take those transactions and they add them into a block and they make them reality right and so you the reason i want to mine is because if i have the person that gets to decide that next block of reality because i'm putting forth all my computation and i'm proving that my computer or group of computers has done the work to say, okay, these transactions are the ones that are going to be valid and confirmed, right? Um, then I get paid in brand new, hot off the presses Bitcoin, never even entered circulation before, right? And it doesn't take uh, some very uh, so-called wise group of individuals in Washington, D.C. to sign new Bitcoin into existence, right? I have to prove that I've done the work and I spent the electricity, right? And the computation to add Bitcoin into the system.
right? So that's the reward. That's why people are spending all this money. People will spend millions of dollars buying mine equipment because if they do it right and they manage their miners, they'll get that money back in two years time, right? Of just keeping computers on. Now, there's a lot said in that keeping computers on, um, but that's it, right? So that's kind of the 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 a little bit of squeezing the juice of how the sausage is made i guess you could say is that there's all these computers competing to add transactions to the blockchain right and what i was talking about is that difficulty changes every two weeks so as more people compete it gets harder to guess right as less people compete hey puppy as less people compete it gets easier to guess so there's this organic system of, ah, oh, man, I can't compete anymore. I got to turn my electricity off, turn my computers off. Well, if it gets too difficult and more people start turning their computers off, well, guess what? Somebody who has a big pile of money who knows about Bitcoin is going to be like, now's my time to get in. I'm going to start mining right now. They go get their miners all lined up. They turn it on. Okay, difficulty slowly builds back up. They can no longer compete. It starts over and over and over again. What ends up happening is a system designed so that the hash rate slowly increases over time, so long as the incentive is there. And that incentive being, he was nunce. Is that the word you're looking for? That's what Alicia said. Yeah. So that was like, but no, it's a double SHA 256 of the nonce, right? Hold on. We, we just jumped into something. Let me jump back to where I was. So the, yeah. system, so the system is going to, yeah, I think you jumped like three times while you were talking to me. <laughs> My bad. I jumped all over. So, so the difficulty adjusts, right? As more computers try to compete to add reality. Let's just say they're adding reality to the blockchain, right? Um, and that's that. Now, what they're guessing, Jesse is right, it's called a nunce, right? It's a number that satisfies that hashing algorithm, right? And when they when they guess the right nuts, they win they win Bitcoin. Good on the miner, right? So that's a little bit of like how the sausage is squeezed. Now, when you distribute that across the globe, or sausage is made. When you distribute that across the globe, right? You can now see like over time that cost actually becomes lower than having huge banking functions, right? Over not over like a span of 10 years, over a span of, you know, we probably won't be here. We just won't. But over time, that cost on society, on humanity is actually lower than having these, I don't know, 25 huge banking entities that basically uh, decide all things on the planet. Right. And everybody can just use the blockchain. So that's the grandiose idea of a little bit behind the scenes. Um, I hope. Now that that to me, which I've tried to explain here in 15 minutes, would probably not even be able to do with currency systems that exist on the planet. So, so one question I have is: I thought that there was a certain amount of Bitcoin. So it sounds to me like Bitcoin is being added um, to the current number of Bitcoin that's available. So one of the things that I thought was that because there was only a limited amount of uh, cryptocurrency, um, that that's what made it so valuable, or one of the things that made it so valuable. 
So what, what it sounds to me like you're saying is that you have people who are doing uh, work behind the scenes for the cryptocurrency market, and they're actually getting paid in extra crypto that um, was not in circulation. So there is a cap, right? Mm -hmm. And the it's cap actually is 21 million. Yeah. 21 million. So there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin, right? So but how, the, how many Bitcoin is in circulation right now? Oof. Like uh, 18, 18 something? I want to say 18.9, but yeah. it might have crept to 19. Might have. But, but the, the, to answer your question, Henry, is it, it diminishes. So uh, the reason why there's this phrase, the Bitcoin halvings, is because at certain points, the, um, the rate at which Bitcoin is produced by the people who validate blocks, the miners, their reward, the block reward, that goes to them for finding the, the nonce that's associated with the next block that basically says, Hey, all these new transactions that are, have been batched in this block are valid. And then signals to everybody, check this nonce that the, the rewards from, from doing that diminish over time, such that there's going to be a point where it tapers off until it's like basically nothing. You're never going to go beyond the 21 million supply. So you don't have to worry about ever going, you know, Bitcoin itself ever going beyond 21 million coins. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so right now, um, there's 18.9 in circulation. 18.7. I just took a look. Got it. Got it. So, so when we hit that 21 mil, then what happens then? Like, let's Good say, question. So, so once everybody owns the 21 mil, then that's it. Somebody else can't come in and, and, and own any Bitcoin unless someone sells it to them. That's a great question. So that's one thing. Yes. Unless someone sells to them too. Um, the, oh, I'm going to give the exact number. Thank you, Alicia. That's one thing. Yes. Uh, two, they get paid in fees. So one thing you've probably heard is transaction fees or for Ethereum, it's gas fees. The miners get paid fees. So not only do they get a little bit of that fresh Bitcoin, straight, straight new fresh Bitcoin, they get a little bit of fees, right? All the transactions, when you put a transaction into that pool of transactions, you have to pay a fee to get it into a block, right? The theory, right, how the math works is that eventually if Bitcoin, if there is, quote unquote, this isn't a word, but we made it one, hyper-Bitcoinization, which is just a thing. If there is hyper-Bitcoinization. That's straight from Webster. <laughs> <laughs> then the miners will be subsidized by those fees because yeah, in today's U S dollars, $500 just to get your transaction is a lot. But if the world is thinking in Bitcoin and we're thinking in sub Satoshi's, which is like the eighth decimal place of one Bitcoin, right? If it costs you, I don't know, a 10th of a Satoshi to get your transaction in there, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal whatsoever. And if that tenth of a Satoshi multiplied by billions of people, right, all of a sudden you have enough fees for the entire world to live, uh, the entire globe of miners to eat off of, right? They'll just perpetually mine, right, and secure this network. Because if everyone's using Bitcoin, that implies everyone's paying a transaction fee, which implies the collection of, I mean, you get billions of pennies together, that's a lot of money, right? So um, that's the idea. So after that cap is hit, 
it's boom. Then the miners are subsidized by fees alone. Right. So the so so even I, so in other words, even when the twenty one million cap is hit, the miners are still incentivized to do the work because they're still getting paid in fees. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So um many moons ago, I know you you have a, a Coinbase um used to pay the minor fees for their clients right until it got to a point where they were probably hemorrhaging money they were like look if you send bitcoin outside of a coinbase wallet you're paying the minor fee right and that's when it started to come to light and people were like wait a second you're trying to charge me five dollars to send a five dollar transaction i'm not gonna pay ten dollars for five dollar bucket of chain that's not gonna happen i'm never gonna do that right <laughs> so that's when people are like, well, wait a second. I thought Bitcoin is supposed to be free. And that's when people are like, yeah, eh. you know, that's that's when the arguments kind of get iffy because it's like, oh, it's too successful too fast. Right. If there's not that many people using it, that's the funny thing. I tell all these other blockchains, Kevin, that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Right. Um, they all tout how highly functional they are. Right. But they don't tout the fact that like, OK. Of course, a bus is going to be super good at moving one person. It's this big ass engine, this big vehicle. We get one person on there. It's going to be moving pretty quick. Right. But if you have a 200 seat bus and you try to put 400 people on that bus, all of a sudden, what's going to happen? Bearings are going to wear. Suspension is going to shoot. Brakes are going to get worn down quick. It's not going to work so well anymore. Right. So all these blockchains and all, this is baby is shot across the bow at the whole industry. All these other blockchains that claim that you're so functional, uh, you're not, right? Nobody's using your shit. Everyone's using Bitcoin and everyone's using Ethereum, right? Not a lot of people are using these other ones. Well, there's some growth in Avalanche. We have to remember Ethereum came out when when Ethereum came out. Like I remember I was trading Ethereum in 2017 and I remember the flash crash down to like $5 from like 300 something dollars. Oof. So they like, if you think about things in terms of like, time scales where we're at if this is somewhat similar to the dot-com boom era there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers and there's going to be a transitionary period from where the winners uh get superseded by other other chains who basically have more utility have more promising tech um and i think you're always going to see the varying accelerations of value right so if you stick your money right now from, you know, a first world country into a third world country real estate market, you're probably going to get more bang for your buck in terms of a uh, long term value and risk associated with that kind of investment. So in, in, in that same sense, like there is a point at which the, the value of Bitcoin can only go so much further. It's, its acceleration is effectively slowing down so that you may want to look at alternatives in order to keep that initial acceleration high of your money. So with that, I have a question. What are what are well, Jesse and D, what are your top five cryptocurrencies to invest in right now? Mm. <laughs> mm. Hashtag no investment advice. We gotta say that. So we <laughs> do, do your it. own research, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. I, yeah. Um, well, I'm asking I'm asking you guys what would you do? Not okay. What do you suggest someone else does? Right. Okay. 
That's a good question. I, that's a good point. And I have a review to, yeah, definitely. Head first in the doge, baby. Go to oh, town. Oh, God. Don't Go do that. No. That is the no. worst. What I would say to, to refute, not refute, but just add a rebuttal to Jesse is that the only difference between this tech and the dot com phase is that, like, this has the added flavor of actually being money, too. Like, I couldn't trade slices of pets.com right to 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 a person right like it wasn't easy maybe they were a public company but i couldn't it wasn't easy to do this is this makes things a little bit different when you put money attached to the tech it changes things just a little bit and i don't think we're going to find out what happens when we have them now there's too many factors at play to be able to be like i know for sure right and yeah, so it's, really it's just a matter of dollar cost averaging spray and pray and if you really want to go ballsy you know lump some amounts during what you hope is not a peak bull market right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones alicia because that's what he should have said in the movie anyways um so top five um you know the first two slots bitcoin and ethereum those are just givens I think they have a human network effect that's like, for me, is beyond tech, right? People don't really know that Bitcoin's transaction fees make it problematic until they solve that problem, but they still don't care. They're still buying that shit like it's going out of of style, right? The same thing with Ethereum. That's about to hit Ethereum as well. Um, So Bitcoin, Ethereum, Avalanche is very next to me. Avalanche to me is the most unique project in this space. Um, one, it's not a copy of other projects. Um, it's innovative. It actually uses a system of blockchains, which uh, many moons ago when we used to do drunk episodes before Jesse was a part of the show, I said, I think the world's going to run on a web of blockchains. I was drunk, but, you know, whatever. Sometimes your best thoughts are when you've had a bottle of wine. Who gives a shit, right? But uh, I thought like one blockchain will talk to another, which will talk to another, which will talk to another and provide this full reality. Avalanche has gotten that right. And Avalanche has gotten it right in a way when it comes to the mining part, there's like barely any computers. My own computer, the one I'm on, I could literally be mining Avalanche and still recording this podcast at the same time. But you're not right. really mining in the sense of the original or the original meaning of mining in the proof exactly. of work sense. It so it it doesn't it doesn't do proof of work. It needs to be caveated heavily. It does. I have to caveat that at a big asterisk. Alicia, do I have a big asterisk? And also something that you need to know is that Avalanche is only unique in its consensus mechanism, not in the fact that it uses multiple chains. Yes. Uh, say what, Jesse? That's so well, yeah, you have to caveat again what you said that Avalanche is the most unique in that it's actually only unique from its consensus mechanism, right? It's mm. actually not unique in the idea that it's using multiple chains because there are other projects that are doing the same thing. So in, okay. in my mind, there's this, in fact, that's what the roundtable today was supposed to be about after the interview, potentially mm. with Corey, is a continuation of kind of my our debate and it's not really a debate it's kind of like an ongoing discussion because we don't know what is going to be the conclusion of this what does permissionless mean right 
So what, what we're seeing is avalanche and other things that are similar to it in the fact in, in the, in the way that there are multiple chains they're they're patented. So what that means is like Bitcoin and Ethereum are not patented technologies. Like you can spin up, you can fork Ethereum and you can fork Bitcoin and spin up your own network if you wanted to. That's what Litecoin is. That's what Dogecoin is. But Avalanche is patented. Uh, a lot there, you know, uh, another project that I'm interested, Algorand is also patented. Now, what does that actually mean? And so it, in my mind, I, I would like to have a conversation with other people in the mm -hmm. space and ask them, do you guys think that there are going to be these, these chains that are more like Apple stores and in, in, in the way that they have the ultimate power over who gets to run on their network and mm -mm. by, by no. They won't. They sorry. I didn't mean. I I shut that down hard. And I do no no no. no. But listen, because they don't have control over the subnets in Avalanche, but you still have governance control over the Avalanche token through what was it? What chain is it? I forget. On X Avalanche. Chain. X chain. Is it X chain that all validators for subnets have to basically? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so that is like a way in which the development group could potentially leverage like control mechanisms on people. Like what if I don't want to pay, like, like I don't want to participate in, I guess you, you have no choice to participate in validating exchange stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just want to run my own subnet. That's like isolated from the entire ecosystem. You can't. So Jesse's avalanche is not going to be in his top five. I don't think so. I, I would spray and pray it actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I would spray and pray it. Avalanche is number three for me. Um, number four is probably Handshake. Um, Handshake is actually a use case. Like a lot of these blockchains, Kevin, tout use cases and functionality and are doing none of those things. Handshake has one functionality and use case that it says it can do, and it does it very well. Um, H&S. Um, and then... The, the fifth spot is a toss-up between Sciacoin and Status. Um, both straight up, no, no reasoning at all, straight human emotion for my fifth coin. Um, my best friend works for Status and builds on that. And then Sciacoin is a distributed, um, I think that if we hope to ever have a, a, a distributed computer, a global computer, we got to have a global storage. I think there's going to be more than one storage solution just as like there's more than one. I can go out and get a Western digital hard drive, a Samsung hard drive. Uh, what are the other hard drives out there? But Jesse? you know, something that you're not considering is the fact that Sia coin or Sia coin and Filecoin, they all have the same monthly subscription model of service, whereas there are coins like i forget what the other one i i was talking about before where it's buy buy it once have the space for forever so it it just depends right we don't know which model is going to be more popular so again if that's what the play that you're going for decentralized space spray and pray yeah so those are my just honestly i i'm i'm pulled i'm like i'm I'm out completely. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm I'm out of crypto entirely. Yeah, out. Got it. Mm -hmm. 
you got out like a month ago, right? And then yeah. you were like, I'm and just then I went in the for the line. for the up again, and then I pulled out on the way down again. So, mm. um, I, I honestly, I'm, I He's... I was like full board Algorand because if you look at the team behind it, I mean it's it's the dude who who invented like half of the tech that the whole space is using. You talking and, about Dan Larimer? No, I'm talking talking about oh. Silvio Macaulay. Okay, if you're talking yeah. about Dan Larimer, then. I'd be even more happy about Algorand. No, do they? They're so the whole MIT. There's there's a whole team at MIT that's working with the Boston Fed to deliver the first uh, U.S. digital stablecoin. That's by the Fed. That's on Algorand. That's the same team. Or like their their advisor is one of the advisors for that team is Silvio Macaulay. So there's a lot of Gensler, right? Is is an ex MIT staff. There's so many connections from MIT that like Algorand seems like a no brainer. Now, the only thing that's like kind of iffy with me is that whole debate about what is permissionless and what does that look like? And I, 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 I just want to know, I want to hammer that out and know what is in the cards for mm-hmm. these. Cause they're supposed to be decentralized, but they're centralized for all intents and purposes right now. At least Algorand is uh, avalanche. There's like a thousand unique nodes. So you really want to kind of take a look at like how what's the neighborhood look like? You, you it's like buying a home in a community. You want to know what the ecosystem looks like. What it, what are the plans for development in the area? Is it going to be a decent area to live in? It's kind of like that. But virtual. Mhm. And you can't hold it. And there's no duck McScrooge coins. But that's it's kind of, but it's kind of like that. That's so I mean, that would be my top five. I wish I were like Elon Musk, and when I release this podcast, it affects the whole market, right? Like everything just shoots up, and I could be like, cool, you know, well done. But hashtag not investment advice, you know. Uh, So Jesse's top five are none because Jesse is out sitting on the sidelines. He's 100% cash position right now. So Sure, I'm sure when Jesse was in, he did very, very well, which is why he pulled out. You know mm-hmm. what's if, interesting, if Henry? Jesse, what I heard Jesse say earlier was that he was trading Ethereum when it was five bucks. Dude, so, I had so I was, much yeah, Ethereum yeah, that yeah, I, I sold too. last year before well, this run up to thousands. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I had millions and millions of dollars worth of Ethereum before. Yeah. 2018. Before, yeah. No, no, last year. Before, like, anyway, it's just. It was time to get up. Yeah, I, 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 I ate the the May dip. I sold into that. I mm. was like, I, I can't. So, my experience with crypto has been like. Emotional. Emotional, yeah. Great. So, like, I can only... when I was when Ooh. I was an engineer, when I freshly graduated, I worked at a job, and I realized that holy crap, engineers were like. Engineers get paid, say, 60K plus or minus. And you guys, you, you work a shit ton. And so, like, getting into blockchain was an extension of me understanding how digital assets work in general, just from black market and video games. And I saw that opportunity. It's like, okay, this, yeah, this makes sense. And so, like, I put in, say, like, Ten twenty thousand dollars, and I saw that right all the way up to tw- uh, two hundred thousand dollars, and all the way back down, basically. And so, 
my mentality, and I talked to D about this, is like, I don't want to be caught with my pants down again because, you know, everybody's waiting for Bitcoin to get to 100K, right? Or beyond. And it's like, sometimes it's like just better to consolidate, especially during a bull run. There's no better time to sell. Right. But, but you know, if you're, if this is your first cycle, then, you know, the time in the market really beats anything. Mm-hmm. And just just continually buying at discounted yeah. prices over a long, long period of time. Yeah. What he said was time in the market, not mm-hmm. timing, timing the market. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like it's that saying, right? One in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's what it was. It was just your time to get out. So I mean, I fully understand that. I I, I, I totally get it. But you know, I just I just wanted to make clear to everybody listening that jesse's out not because jesse doesn't believe in it jesse just he did his thing you know jesse did his thing he he made jesse jesse didn't make enough money because there's no there's not enough money in the world right for anybody who wants to make a lot of money right (laughs) i mean i don't know (laughs) i can think of a number that would be enough (laughs) interesting (laughs) jesse said i want all the money i think i think i just realized that like what I want is, is like, I need money. Everybody needs money, but the way that I want my money to grow is going to be from what I kind of build out myself because it'll be something that I can like wholeheartedly believe in. You know what I mean? And I think that I don't want to get caught up in like investing in other people's dreams too much because like uh if i lose money or if i make money on somebody else it just doesn't feel the same as if i'm making it with my own you know my own idea my own my own everything right fuck that jesse i mean it all spends the same no it's true i don't know you know what i'm saying like 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 if i make 10 bucks off of Mm -hmm. my idea or if i make 10 bucks off of kevin's idea Mm -hmm. still spends exactly the same right i think philosophically my my i i so i i'm i'm in the process of a career change over the past three years from engineering into medicine and so my philosophy on money is kind of like pivoted in terms of like there are certain investments that yeah you can write and it's kind of like you can see them like you're gonna make money but it's like do you want that i don't know I don't know. I know. Where I guess it's, it's a lot deeper for you. Yeah. It's a yeah, lot. I deeper. think. I think it's a lot more than that. Yeah. I respect it. I respect it. I think. I think that's an, an opinion of someone who, um, you know, and I could be wrong, but I guess that's an opinion of someone who has uh, done okay and and can can have that opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like someone who isn't well off, someone who is only making 60K a year plus or minus and living paycheck to paycheck isn't thinking in terms of, man, I I don't want to make 10 bucks off of his idea, right? That person is thinking, okay, how the hell do I make 10 bucks, whether it's his idea or my idea? Mm -hmm. I totally understand what you're saying because um, I, I say to my wife and I say all the time, you know, not all money is good money, right? That's um, see, that's that's what I believe in. Not all 
money as good money. And I would rather make it the good money on my own or not, you know, on my own, but you know, on things that on something that you're passionate about, right? Sure. On something that, 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 you know, it's yours. You can, you can put your name on it. This is, this is me. I built this. I created this. I, you know, so I, I get it. I, I totally get it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think in terms like that, you know, sometimes, for example, um, we, we do, okay. We, we make very good money at our business at trademark. And, um, you know, I've, I've told Kevin this, um, but does, is the money that we make worth the stress, the sleepless nights, um, the, the time that you invest in it, um, in, in figuring things out, solving problems, uh, the time that you're investing in people so that they can uh, be at their full capacity, right? Versus, uh, so, so, so all those things yield results. All those things make money at the end of the day. And though you have that value, was it worth the journey to get it? I, right. I would just have to ask you this question, Henry. Do you love what you do? Um, no, I don't. Not at all. And when I when I when I started this company, it wasn't it wasn't because I loved selling countertops to rich people, right? It wasn't holy shit. I'm so excited to sell this granite countertop for this person's island, right? So. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I had to train myself and think to myself that I was doing actually more than that. So when someone asks me, what is it that you do? My answer is a lot different than what a, a normal person in this industry would say, right? So what I do for a living is I help bring someone's vision to life. I help turn a structure into a home. I create spaces where you're going to teach your son how to shave and where mom is going to help her daughter get ready for the dance. I create, I help create a space where you're going to create incredible memories with your loved ones and share meals with your family. That's what I do. And, and I do that by providing countertops, right? So, so I've had to coach myself and train myself and, and it helps me to get up in the morning and it helps me to, to understand that I'm doing something a lot more meaningful than just selling countertops, right? And, and then when I do make the money, um, it, it feels so much more satisfying mm-hmm. right? because, yeah. because I do feel like I'm doing something much more important right so you touched on something like i i i just want to kind of highlight this you i believe that whatever you do if you don't like it or if you do like it it has a lot to do with how you frame things mentally right um you can you can it's doing something longer term that you don't necessarily like doing is more digestible if you find meaning in what you're doing right right i think the answer to that question for me in engineering 
and in just trading numbers on a screen is not meaningful. And there's no way for me to trick myself into thinking it's meaningful. Understood. I get yeah. it. I come from a place where it was it was really difficult. I mean, I come from a from from the South Bronx in New York City. I'm the first one in my family uh, born in the United States of America. Um, my wife was smuggled into this country from Belize, from over the Mexican border, in the trunk of her uncle's car when she was two years old. Um, when I went to go see the house that my wife was born in, I mean, talk about the most beat up, rundown wooden shack where you stretched your arms out and you can touch both outside walls. It was nuts. It was absolutely bananas. So when we started our journey, we didn't have the luxury to think the way that we're thinking right now. We didn't have the luxury to say that, you know what, I hate countertops. I'm not going to do it, right? We didn't have the luxury to say, you know, to make comments like that or to even be in the frame of mind uh, to think that way. It was more survival mode. Mm -hmm. What can I do right now to feed my family and to feed myself? What can I do at this moment? But then what happens is that you come into this transition. There's this transitional period where you reach a level of success that now you don't want for anything. You know that things are going to be okay. You have money set aside. You have a home um, and, and things are looking up. So then you really, in this transitional period, you really start to question, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Is this meaningful? Like, am I making a difference? Are there other things that I would rather be doing? So, so I think that we are incredibly privileged to be able to be in the space where we could even think this way. I agree. We, where we can make the decision. We can literally sit back and make the decision on what we want to do tomorrow. Right. And that's, that's incredible. That's an, that's an incredible position to be in where most of the planet isn't, isn't in a position like that. Right. To even be able to, most people are trying to think how they're going to make it to the next day. So to be in a place where you can think, I don't even want to do this anymore and I'm not going to. Right. So, so you're right. In a, in a way during that transition period, what happened with me was, that I, I almost gave it up several times. And what happened with me was that when I looked around at my team, when I looked at my business partner, right, we have 70 families that we feed on a weekly basis, right? That's our, our team is 70 people strong, just about uh, across four different companies. And um, when I looked at them, and I realized they don't have the luxury that I have to make the decision that I can make. I need to stick this out. So in sticking it out, what that meant for me was, okay, I got to reframe this. I got to rethink about this. I got to do things different. I got to innovate. I got to, you know, just, just create experiences for my clients to make this more meaningful for myself. It can't just be, we install countertops. It just can't be that, right? Um, so, so 
that's that's kind of kind of what happened. So I what I'm trying to say, I guess, is I, I totally understand what you're saying, Jesse. Mm. I totally understand. I get it. I know where you're at. Yeah, Jesse, you see why I came out to Louisville now? You see the, <laughs> why I enjoy my work. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was it was kind of an on-ramping, kind of an interview. Uh, it's bounced around. I hope that, you know, and Kevin, you didn't ask me any questions, man. You seemed like you were just soaking it up. Man, I, you know, <laughs> I have tons of questions, though. I honestly do. I would love to know what y'all think about NFTs. I would love to know what you think about, like, Decentraland. And Atari mm-hmm. building a fucking digital casino. And oh like, shit! Dude, we got time. We all got right, so, so, all right. real estate development. Like, man, fuck. So, so much. There's a lot, man. But that's the thing about crypto. So you guys listening who just are getting into this. I know there's about three thousand of you every week that visit us, and a small percentage of you stay. But the small, the larger percentage of you that are gonna go away, go away with curiosity. Now NFTs, I love. That we're just scratching the surface, right? All this crazy stuff. I honestly believe all this crazy stuff with people selling a piece of digital art that you cannot hold is is just. I honestly think it's people washing their gains. The people that have made billions and billions and billions of dollars in crypto, they're like, hey, why not just spend a billion dollars on digital art, and then maybe you know, five years down the road, when the capital gains, long term capital gains taxes change, I'll sell that art, and maybe I hit big, maybe I didn't. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense to me why someone's going to pay $10,000 for a smiley face that I hand drew and then took a picture of and then loaded it on a blockchain. It just doesn't make sense. But NFTs are very powerful when it comes to digital uniqueness and what it, what it can do um, to give. Now, here's the thing that I will say, Kevin, is that an NFT has to have a real life. It has to have a third party system. To make it real. So about a month and a half back, we interviewed this gentleman uh, from a company called Materium, um, uh, Vinay Gupta. This guy is rocket scientist level genius. And the court system is what helps NFTs be powerful, right? So as long as you could say, I am trading actual ownership of this thing, I'm putting it in this NFT and giving it to someone else then yeah, there's a system in place to help defend uh, disputes when it comes to ownership, right? As long as you can present the private key that says you have the wallet mm-hmm. that owns the digital thing, then you technically own the thing, right? So, so the, the, the trick there is that you can't do it in a decentralized fashion. Like the, the, whole, the whole goal of assigning a physical item to an NFT and kind of saying that, the, like I think the gold bar was an example he was using, right? He said that um, gold bars have like a serial number on the bottom to kind of show that they're not um, fake, fake, basically, right? right? And so that that NFT, like, what's to stop? Like, what's the recourse if somebody steals your gold ingot that's assigned to that NFT? I mean, what are you going to do? Like, give me it back. I have the NFT. There's no, there's no, <laughs> you know, there's no repercussions behind if they do that. And so the the cool thing that they did is like what d was saying is they finagled laws i guess that help them that that basically uh give the court system a way to arbitrate nft to physical good settlement and so 
you're going to have fusion of, you know, decentralized stuff with essentially the centralized judicial model that we have. And so, yeah. They applied contract laws to NFTs. Yeah. Is basically what they've done um, with Materium, which is also a cryptocurrency, um, which I don't know the price of, but um, great team behind Materium as well. Um, Now, when it comes to Decentraland, which is just this crazy virtual you can buy virtual land and you can sell that virtual land and some of it goes for like 250k in real dollars um yeah i know you're shaking your head henry because to me it doesn't make any oh, sense you haven't seen bro. that henry it doesn't make any sense but Th- it's that's real, why it really doesn't make any sense this, this space <laughs> doesn't make sense the deeper you go henry and it's just it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all like why would yeah it didn't make sense when New York City was fucking that real estate was popping off at values that people couldn't understand at the time. That's kind of how I look at this shit. Like, it seems crazy because it's not the fucking norm. Million dollar homes seem crazy when everyone's home costs 60000 right? And so, to me, I think you're going to see, like, businesses for real building offices over there in those spaces and, like, holding meetings for their teams and shit but i don't think i don't understand these these aren't we're not talking about physical (laughs) no no we're talking about digital completely so like if you if you go to land if you go to a website called i think like decentraland was it like i forget what the specific Uh, url is to jump directly into seeing all that's been built in that specific ecosystem but you can basically in your browser punch in the website and then you you're walking around essentially this virtual area that people have created and mana for decentraland is the underlying uh token that's used yeah. to purchase these these uh parcels of yeah. of land and depending on you know proximity to uh c- to the central areas right you're going to be paying a higher premium on like the real on world. the parcel yeah. uh, it's just it's like wait, wait, bro wait. so henry like <laughs> this is why i'm like 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 some of this stuff is just kind of scummy and i'm just like i don't it's know about grand this. Theft auto. it's a grand theft auto henry it's except grand. you can buy the talking, talking about like a virtual world yes yeah, yeah. and people are like paying real money to yeah. own land in this like, virtual like, uh, world how much did those shoes sell for? Like Ready Player One type. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Except like with, that, with we don't have VR that's like awesome yet, right? So we're prepared. They're preparing for that world. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like I thought it was stupid too, Henry. But then I played Virtual Angry Birds on an Oculus Rift like a month ago. That shit is so real. I almost busted my ass in somebody's kitchen. Like I was like, I'm really in this world. You have and to. Like, you have to. No, no, no. So, so my that, nephew has my nephew JT. We bought him an Oculus, and I went into my garage and I set up the perimeter, and I'm like literally walking around um, in a whole nother world. Yeah. So, so I, is this what we're talking about? Like, like are we talking about? You know, Second Life, the video game, in 2007 um, or 2006. No. So there's a video game. It's called Second Life, and mm-hmm. basically. Oh, Kevin knows maybe. I know yeah. it it's from The Office. Do I oh, like, yeah, I'm yeah. There was an episode okay. on The Office about it. <laughs> Basically, people, it's a video game, right? And you can buy virtual assets in the same way that people are doing it with blockchain tech. 
there was a there was a video game where you know you purchase a car you purchase a home and it is like one to one how much you would pay for a real life home and a real life car and it's just like holy shit <laughs> like there's a market for that that and stuff so, really exists yeah and, and so this this decentraland and there's there's all, all other spin-offs are that same concept in blockchain yeah and the beauty of the just remember that graphics are ass sorry i just wanted to it's, it's ass they're, they're ass now but so we're saying that they're they're building a virtual world and nfts are the assets that you can purchase to put in your virtual world so so yes that's you can do that yeah that's, that's the long-term play is that since these are protocols and this is programmable money or assets if you have the decentraland protocols tied into your application then you could take your nfts and just put it in this virtual world you could buy an nft from this random thing but if the application that you're using uses the same protocols as decentraland you can go into decentraland and then so, have your thing so i can buy a picture of a picasso and I can put it inside of my virtual house and hang yes. it. Yes. Yes. Go buy your virtual couch to go next to your Jordan. And then I'll tell and virtual Kevin, come on by and let's come chill at the crib. Yeah. <laughs> that don't yeah. even make sense, guys. That, that's crazy. It that's doesn't. Crazy. It doesn't make sense. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. I was, I was just gonna say it, it. It's happening. It doesn't even have to make sense yet for everybody, but like. It's just going forward and going to happen, and people are just gonna have to catch up with it. I think. Like it, it, it yeah. So it's kind of like Ready Player One, and yes, it, it's 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 happening. It's not like it's being built; like it's it's there. People are people are doing it already, yeah. and it's just mm -hmm. for me. It's something that I know I don't understand, but I don't need to understand it. Like the same way I have a friend whose kid, who arguably made just a little less money than I made last year making a virtual Roblox game. Like he took this game called Roblox. This kid's like 14 years old. He took this game called Roblox, made his own version of it, like a map editor, and then sold it for a shit ton of money. And I'm like, there's things I just don't understand. I'm, I'm at that point and I don't need to understand it, but I do know that it's real and it has value to a lot of people, obviously. You know, and so like Decentraland is that I'm pretty sure we have our own. We have a Bitcoin podcast corner in Decentraland that me and Corey bought like and forgot. And it's just there. And hopefully we come back to it one day and we're like, hey, anybody want this patch of virtual land we got in the metropolitan area of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, so it's it's um it's it's crypto's wild, man. And that's what, what Jesse said is like. The deeper you dig, the more wild it gets, and the probability of you finding a scam increases quick, right? And that's what I say to all of the new listeners while we wrap this up, is take your time. I know crypto seems like it moves fast as hell, but quite honestly, I've been in it since 2012, and it's been very slow and emotional the whole time, right? You have time to learn and time to understand it and take the time to learn because if you don't, you're not going to be able to sniff out something kind of scummy when you see it. And right now, when we're on this cusp of mass adoption, before regulation comes through and starts guiding people on how to behave and interact with this stuff, uh, you're going to hit a lot of scams. There's going to be a lot of Nigerian princes hitting you up for your crypto. 
Like, you know, that's just the way it goes. So um, I would love to keep going. We have to actually record an episode. So we got to we got to shut the, the interview portion down. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm it was great. I, I really I, appreciate it, guys. Good. I hope that you guys left this conversation knowing a little bit more about crypto uh, than you did before you ended the conversation. And that's the aim. So I think I've, I've learned uh, a little bit more, but I have an infinite number of more questions. Now. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it's been fantastic. I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, answering our questions and uh, it's been dope. It's been real dope. Great. Yeah, I second that. This has been really fun, entertaining, and I definitely learned a lot while I was here. So thank you for sharing the knowledge and giving us the space for it. No doubt. And because I know you guys are on the seat of your pants, 18,713,277 Bitcoin in circulation. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, so on the other topics, right. You know, I love Alicia. I love how you put uh, a banks section in, in every week now, because we can't get away from it. Like, it's funny. We were like, this stuff's gonna, it's funny. Crypto is so funny. Cause it's like, so two faced. Sometimes we were like, you know, like fuck the banks, fuck them. Fuck a bank. I don't give oh, a yeah. damn about a bank. Excuse my language. Mom. Goldman Sachs around, but now Goldman Sachs, one of the biggest banks is officially classifying bitcoin as a new asset class which is huge right because yeah <laughs> i don't give a damn about a bank but i like when they like what i like i do so it, so anyways, how long did it take them four years five years you kidding me 2012 it's taking them eight nine years no no no. what i mean is like from when they publicly like didn't like oh what is it called decried is that, is that the word i don't know but by the way goldman sachs is an angel investor in coinbase yeah i mean just, i know that just throwing that out there yeah, audience, they helped them so. ipo didn't they so whenever you wonder just you know don't get too <laughs> conspiratorial here but goldman sachs happens to uh, be an angel investor and helped with the ipo of coinbase and coinbase is probably going to be the fastest company ever to a trillion dollar valuation i mean it kind of makes you what if they change their name from Goldman Sachs to Bitcoin Man Sachs? I don't know. Bit Bitmen Sachs? Yeah. Bitmen Sachs? Uh-huh. And then they fuse with Bitmain and then become Bitmain Sachs. Then, no. then we will say we were there for it all. We created an audible library of curated content. You know what thing that I didn't know that we should have done? Mm-hmm. We didn't curate our podcast very well. So I have people hitting me up like, hey, do you have any podcasts on this specific thing? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. You got to listen to all 300 of them, bro. <laughs> we talk a lot, man. Like but we never tagged our podcast. There are little captions. Maybe. I, I don't know if they're searchable. Maybe. Try the search functionality in our website. And this is a perfect time to talk about our website. All right. The Bitcoinpodcast.com where you can find uh, most things. No, wait. All crypto all the time. Bitcoin some of the time, right? You can become a patron too by going to patreon.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. You know, it's a perfect time to plug ourselves. Why not? Mm -hmm. All right. So um, another bit of news, and then we're probably just going to cut straight into the interview and then like leave. 
<laughs> because it was a really long and good interview. And this is just a really short show. We're glad whoever, you know, they all, all three of you that hopped in, you know, got a chance to, to see how we do things live. Oh, what's up, Lando? <laughs> My dog is so derp. I wonder if I can get him in the camera. Come here. Come on. Is he up here? Uh, he's, no, can't see him. He's, he's oh. being blocked by your name. Look at his derp. Oh, okay. You guys can't, can't see, see. My dog is a derpy dog. Let me tell you something. Those eyes go. Uh, all right. Uh, okay, buddy. I see. He's you. taking in more of the world. He's taking in more of the world than the rest of us could only hope. To. Yeah, like we got what 120 degrees. He's got a, like, he's got 60, 210, <laughs> baby. He's he can, he's he can see behind his head. He can see all over the. He's like a deer. He can wow. see. He can see everything. All right. Um. So last thing, PayPal, which is pretty huge. Um vote of confidence in how PayPal is handling their interest into cryptocurrency. They've now said that you can, with the currency that you've bought on PayPal, send to another Bitcoin wallet, which is big news, right? It means two things. They figured out how to make a side chain just like Coinbase and track your transactions. And you can send... <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't one of the things I was going to talk about. But I know what the fuck you're doing, Coinbase. I know what you're doing. All right. But uh, Coinbase, right there, the bank of the Bitcoin man, Coinbase coming out, yeah. One of these days, Jesse, we're mm-hmm. gonna get that Coinbase sponsorship, baby. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I'm that gonna would be amazing. All islanders, mm-hmm. uh, they'll hate me, but I will say, Coinbase, no better place to go for your Bitcoin action. We get Brian Armstrong on. Lord of mercy. Uh, Anyways, what was I talking about? So anyways, you know, PayPal, it's good for PayPal to allow people to send their Bitcoin wherever they want, right? Because that's the big thing with Robinhood. When you buy Bitcoin, you don't own Bitcoin. You own numbers on a screen. You can't send that Bitcoin to someone. You can only sell it and get dollars in your bank account and then say, well, now I don't even have Bitcoin at all. What what happened? This I feel shysted out of the fact that I don't even own Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right. With Coinbase, you can send your Bitcoin to an outside wallet uh, with true custodians and not centralized money grubbers. You can send your crypto off of their platform. Right. Um, you know, in fact, a very powerful metric, which you just showed me, uh, Jesse, mm-hmm. that you can kind of use as somewhat of a short to midterm predictor of price is seeing how much crypto flows in and out of central exchanges. I don't think that's 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 like super short term. And then you're just making assumptions. You have to pair that with something else. Oh, boy. I paired it with itself for like the week prior to these big drops. And mm-hmm. you were like, hey, you were like on a whim. You were like, hey, D, check out the inflows of Bitcoin into these exchanges. And I was like, well, that's wild. That's a lot of Bitcoin going in. And mm-hmm. then. Yeah, no, I was like, hey, the order books are kind of getting pretty stacked on the buy side. Like, why? 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 Like, why are they so low? They're so deep into the order book, like way low prices. And I was like, hmm, seems seems like it, things might go down from here. <laughs> something's You're that one scientist in that documentary I saw, 2012, that's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, 
the ice caps are melting. And we're like, man, chill out, Jesse. Like, it gets warm. And then the next day, and then the next day, it was very warm. It was hot. Waves. <laughs> it was hot. Um. Anyways, yeah. Don't take my advice. But if you do take my advice, you didn't take my advice. You get what I'm saying? All right. Um. I think that's it, guys. We're gonna go ahead and shut this down. Let me talk about the things that I have to talk about because I am obligated. Uh, by society to do these things now because I am a quote-unquote content creator. So I will commence into that ritual now. Uh, please become a patron uh, the patreon.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. Links are in the sliggity slack, baby. How do you get to the slack? I don't know. Maybe you're not paying attention. Maybe you are. Congratulations to the new slack entrances this week. Uh, I think there were three. Um, uh, I'm I'm scrolling up trying to find you. I should maybe build a bot to do this better if I'm going to do this in the future. Uh, the three of you that joined the Slack, you know, I know it's a huge endeavor from listening to an internet radio show to then going on the internet to then fo- following the buttons and joining the Slack. Uh, you know, that's a lot. I know it's a huge call to action, um, but, you know, you know, I'll shout you out on the next episode when I scroll up and figure out who you were again. Sorry for not making you feel important. I do apologize. Uh, go to the bitcoinpodcast.com towards like, oh, this is very important. Um, I have been told by my mother and father, I'm no longer allowed to say what I typically say, but I will say this. If you are on your Apple podcast app and you, you better not give us four stars. <laughs> oh, they, they told you not five to say stars that. stars and only, all right? Yeah, Jesse, I've been counseled by the elders. Wow. I'm no longer allowed to say what I usually say. So that what I will say now, it is. It is. Uh, Jesse can say it, though. His parents don't care. No, I'm not going to say it. See, my parents are powerful. They affect other people's kids, too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't, you know, if you're on your Apple Podcast app, give us five stars. If you don't want to give us lower than five stars, just don't even give us a rating at all. Like, why? Why would you, why would you do that? Uh whoa, somebody actually left a comment that it really Oh, check that out. It. Look at wow. it coming from the Philippines, man. Yay. Uh oh wait, that was an old comment from the Oh wow, oh. that was like not that long ago. Thank you oh, guys. Wait, hey, five star review, baby. That's what I'm talking oh. about. Um, yeah, don't uh th- you know, we do our thing. Thank you, Philippines. Shout out to you guys. One thing I would love to understand, mm-hmm. Filipino person who did that. Why do I sell Philippines with a PH and Filipino with an F? That destroys me. It destroys me a little bit. I need to know. All right. Uh, what are some of the other things that we have to do here? Uh, society deems it so. Uh, oh, that's it. Patreon, Slack, iTunes reviews. All right. Shout outs, baby. Here we come. Is this the thing where I just guess who's who we're shouting out? All right, cool. Charlize Theron. Shout out to Charlize Theron. Theron, doing your thing. Ooh. Oh, uh, who's that? Ooh, shout out to. I don't know who that is. I guess that's Rhea Ripley. That's got to be Rhea Ripley. We're going to say shout out to Rhea Ripley. That's No, that's Ashley Graham. Shout out to Ashley, Ashley Graham. Graham. Was that Ashley Graham? Did I get that right? Did I get that right? We'll see. That is I have no um, idea who that is. I don't is that know. Is that Becky Lynch? 
That's got to be Becky Lynch. That definitely looks like a Becky Lynch right there. Shout out to you, Becky, doing your thing, winning championships, it looks like. Uh, who's next? Let's keep this going. I like this, like, random people we shout out. Who's next? <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe Alicia's telling us in the private chat. That was Rhea Ripley. I, I know who you are. Amelia you Clark. Know? Yeah, that's Amelia Clark. She's Dragon Lady. I don't even She's watch that true. show. Can't stand the show. Oh, I don't, don't know like this it. person. Oh, that is a uh, shout out to. Uh, I, I wish you left hints. Cameron Sue. Shout out to Cameron Sue. That is Becky Lynch. That's Becky Lynch. Shout out to Becky Lynch. All right, okay. who's next? We got to go quick because we're running out of time. Now that. That's Cameron is, Sue. That's Cameron Sue. <laughs> I guess we got it right. I know that. Is. I don't that's, know who that is. That's Priyanka Chop. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is good. Like celebrity. Oh, we all know that's Zazi beats. We already know. Shout out to you, Zazi. I, I love how. So here's the my favorite thing about this, Jesse, is that like, like thank you, Wayne. I know we're running out of time. <laughs> we're trying to make it fast. We're, we're, we're trying to make it fast. Is Keep that going. like people that are just tuning in? Like we see this little number that shows how many people. There are, are eight people live. watching the tail end of the shout outs to yeah. random people. Yeah, like, so like, what is this you guys show miss the about? juicy content? All right. yeah. <laughs> like, what is shout out to Zotzi Beats, girl, looking like a sexy predator. All right, shout out to uh, oh, wide face is always all done. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like a nice wide face and a long neck, baby. Shout out, to... <laughs> God, what Jesse? If she ever comes me? on, she's gonna roast you so she's hard. She's not coming on our show, she's not, and she can roast me all she wants to. I'll You'll enjoy that. it. I'll accept that roasting. I will. Uh, shout out to Lori Harvey. Uh, I have no idea why you're famous, but you are. Um, and then shout out to Michael B. Jordan for dating Lori Harvey. Uh, that's about it. Um, I think that's everybody, right? Is that everyone? What do you mean? He did Black Panther. Oh, dear Lord. We've got more. We've got more. Obama. I mean, not Obama. Michelle, Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Jeez. Yeah, Obama. Michelle Obama. Wait, there are nine people watching this. Maybe we should just do this instead of crypto podcasting. Yeah, we're we're hitting numbers, baby. <laughs> we're about to hit double digits. We're just do giving shout outs to celebrities. <laughs> oh, um, no, the well, thing is, is everybody watch at the same time? We probably uh -huh. get pretty good viewer metrics, like, but they don't like people come and go. Yeah. Shout out to Gabrielle Union. Shout out to <laughs> Megan the Stallion. Oh, do you know who Lotto is? Shout outs, huh? You know Lotto? No. Or I am I'm Dochi, Dochi. Mm -mm. They're they're like uh Dochi's a rapper coming out of Atlanta, and I think Lotto Lotto I don't know maybe. Just interesting. They're they're gonna be on there. Just letting you know in advance, probably. Okay. Maybe we should truncate the shout out list just a tad bit, just a little bit. You sure? This is a lot. I don't, actually I don't. Well, we just go faster. Fun. We go faster. Yeah. It's like Pokemon. We'll I guess. go faster. We get one guess. We don't get it. It's gone. What's that? Go, go. Oh, can you turn it into the Pokemon thing? Was like guess that Pokemon. Oh then... my god, we could totally do that. Just like <laughs> put it in GIMP and then just add transparency layer. Look to the Bitcoin <laughs> podcast shout out show. The wide spaces and dopest dankest me. Um, the fact um, that I know oh. that Wayne wrote that, it just uh, gives me warm fuzzies deep inside. I know, right? But I would like to give a special shout out to at Temporary Fellow on Twitter, who also goes by Wartime Moon Mather, um, who called everyone in the Slack idiots this morning. <laughs> We're all idiots, and we don't know how any of this stuff works. Idiot um, sandwich. 
As to which we replied to him, PP poo poo, to get the flames going, baby. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and, you know, we're just messing with people on Twitter. You can join the Slack if you want to, bro. I know you're in there somewhere. You have to be in there to make fun of us like that. Um, <laughs> so that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to the show, the roundtable live for those of you that were here. Uh, for those of you that weren't, we're airing the roundtable and interview together. You'll be able to catch them both. The interview will be airing very soon uh, on the YouTubes. Right, uh, ding the bell, do the things. Um, it was a very good interview, very, yeah. very good interview. Um, that's it, man. Play.